Michelle Donnelly, and this is the Christian Single Moms Podcast. I believe that every single mom can discover a life of peace, power, and purpose, and that you can do it right through the things that God is carrying you through in your season as a single mom. Here we talk about all of the things that matter to a single mom, but most of all, I hope you found a place where you feel like you belong. Let's get started. Hey, I'm so glad you could be with me today. I'm your host, Michelle Donnelly. Today, we're talking about getting out of the ruts in our parenting, and I'm joined in this conversation by Justin Early. Justin is here to talk about habits and how these everyday average moments of raising our kids can actually be huge opportunities for spiritual formation, and not just for them, but for ourselves as well. Justin takes some of the overwhelm out of this topic as well because he helps us to recognize that habits are things that we're already doing and that sometimes by just switching things around a little bit or by approaching things a little differently that we have an ability to make a tremendous impact. Something I've learned in my season as a single mom is that loneliness actually does not have that much to do with being alone. Hurt from our relationships in the past causes us stress around relationships in the present. And the ways that we have learned to deal with that stress can help us to feel safe, but actually keep us away from the meaningful relationships that we desire. To start to unravel this, to identify your stress style and discover the pathway to healing, you can take our quiz called What's Your Stress Style? And you'll find a link for that down in the show notes. When we think of things like routines and rhythms and habits and all of these things, sometimes it just can feel so weighty and so structured and just not really fitting for everyday life. Something I really appreciate about Justin's approach to this topic is the fact that this can be imperfect, but it can be intentional. Here's my conversation with Justin Early. Justin, I'm so glad to have you with me today. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Michelle. I am honored to be here. Justin, we may know that habits and routines are part of parenting, right? We know that kind of comes with the territory, mm-hmm. but we might not exactly always be sure why or why they're so essential. Can you talk to us more about that? Yeah, I think it kind of becomes obvious to any parent early on that habits and routines are important to caring for a newborn or feeding your child. So there's some of this that's intuitive. Yeah, of course, habits matter. What was, I guess, an extraordinary moment for me is when I realized that much more than schedule formation was happening in habits, but rather spiritual formation was happening in the habits of the household. And it was that idea that our heart and our spiritual lives follow habit more than we think. That's the idea that led me to think, oh my gosh, this is actually a topic that's not just about our schedules or about how we are productive or you know, getting the kids to, to school on time or not, but really about maybe the most important place of spiritual formation in the life of the family, and that is the habits and the routines of the household. So that's why I, I come to this with a, a sense of um, almost reverence and, and excitement because there's so much here. Yeah. How did you come to that? How did you come to this revelation that this is not just about the day-to-day functioning, but something deeper? I come so far to all my books by way of crisis. So something goes really wrong and then I try to figure it out and I end up writing about it. I'm two for two now. So my (laughs) first book, The Common Rule, 
came out of actually a pretty severe mental health um, crisis where I really collapsed in panic and anxiety, insomnia, my first Mm -hmm. year of lawyering. And to condense that story to a very short answer, what happened was that I, I came out of, I used to be a missionary in China. And then I went to law school as a feeling that the, the Lord was calling me to it. And I ran at it with all the fervor of a man on a call. Um, and I never really thought too hard about the idea that I was assimilating to all the usual patterns and routines of a top law school and aspiring young lawyer. But the ways that I was using my technology, the ways my schedule was always burning the candle at both ends, the ways I was always available, um, took their toll on me hard. And I crashed um, re- really kind of like in a... <laughs> in a shower of sparks and flames, my first year of lawyering. And while it took me a while to understand what was happening to me, this was not a quick and neat process. It took over a year really to climb out of this hole and sort of look back and ask what happened. But I I realized that I had become converted to the nervous medicating lawyer. The former missionary had been converted and I had been converted by habit because What I what I found was that the the smallest patterns of our days and weeks actually change our heart and our emotional life, our spiritual life, in extraordinary ways. And I was not aware that I needed to be aware of that. I I, I thought, well, as long as I'm believing the right things, as long as I'm thinking and saying the right things, there goes my heart. And I th- I think what I realized in that time was, oh no. Um, your heart follows the habit actually. So Mm. it is very common for somebody to say, I want to live like this and actually live like that. Because when your head goes this way and your heart goes that way, your, your habits are always going to follow the heart. So Mm. in the habits lead the heart. And, um, that, that led me to this deep sort of wrestling with, Oh, habits and routines matter. Now, this happened in a whole new way in my home life. So I wrote this book, the common rule about our personal and technology and work habits And then it was sort of like a second level of spiritual awakening when the Lord was like, you know, this matters in your home too. Mm. (laughs) Um, And the simple like logic there is just that if we become our habits and our kids become us, then, oh, wait, our habits of the household are incredibly important to our children's spiritual formation. So this is really a a parenting version of applying the spiritual weightiness of habits. I think that's an incredible distinction that you just made that we can believe one thing in our heads intellectually, but yet our habits actually are an indication of what it of the of what we really do follow yes. and that when there is a mismatch what we are doing more and more and more is who we develop into so even though we may in our minds want to go in one direction the habits are the disconnect that often are causing some of that discord that we're experiencing in our day-to-day lives, but sometimes we're not always aware of like, what is the problem? What's the breakdown? Right. Right. And it can be very helpful. I mean, because a lot of this can feel like a burden, like, oh no, I got to rethink all my habits or you got to look at your habits. And a lot of people are scared to do that, but I'd like to present it as, as freeing because the question is not, do you have habits? The question is what kind and where are they leading your heart? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it can be very freeing to, and any you know person that struggles with addiction kind of knows this. Like at some point, you've got to own up to the fact that you know you want to change. The problem is your habits are dragging you into a rut and you need to figure out how to change these habits. But, and, but you don't have to be an addict to have this problem. We all have this problem. Yeah. Think about how you look at your phone every day and how you always want to do it a little bit less. Or think about how you respond to your children in frustration every day and how you always wish you didn't snap like that. Or think about how you're always just a little bit late and a little bit rushing everybody. And we wish we weren't like that. 
you know, the, of course we want to live differently, <laughs> but mm-hmm. our, our, our habits are our ruts that guide us to the same future over and over. So we've really got to think about what is that rut and how does one change it? And um, if you're doing that, like all I want to point out is that these are spiritual as well as schedule ruts. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're both at play here. And that's why it's really worth looking at. I think technology is such a huge part of this, especially when, you know, we're thinking about, I want to disciple my kids, but then our habits and through our habits, it's like, what is discipling me? Mm-hmm. You know, and a lot of times through technology, and it, it can be everything from the content of what we're looking at. So the exact accounts on social media, what they're saying, the messaging, all that kind of stuff. But other times it can just be the habitual nature of prioritizing this thing ahead right. of better things, ahead of yes. time with the Lord, or just even in a response to an emotional trigger that I'm going to this instead of going to yes. the Lord with it. And yes. in your book, though, you outline this kind of as looking at it through the course of our day. So even talk about that as far as like from the moment we wake up, how this is already starting to be at play. Yeah, really some really good stuff there. And what you just said, um, one, the idea that it's kind of about us before it's about our children. Like we, 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 need, we want to think about our children's habits, but first we need to think about what are ours. And, and second, you mentioned the idea that um, it's, sometimes it's not as much about the content of you know, what's on our screens or what, the, the, what we're looking at or what our habit is. It's about just the medium of it. So t- put those together at the beginning of the day, which is why I start the chapter one of this book at the beginning of the day for parents, because I realized a couple of years ago that my habit of opening my phone the minute that I wake and that being the first thing that I do every morning was far more than a little scheduling habit. It was, there was a deeply spiritual pattern there. And so Mm -hmm. the short version of that is I, when I was a early lawyer, I was working at the London office um, that was, I was in Richmond, they were in London. So I would wake up every day to about five hours worth of emails already in my inbox Mm -hmm. because of the time difference. And I just wanted to be good at my job. So, I mean, I was just like, it was on my mind. I would wake up and I would open the, the inbox to see what London wanted me to do that day. And I didn't think you know, that mattered that much until there was one morning where I woke up earlier because my son was crying and I got up to go help him. And five minutes later, I'm sitting on the foot of my bed halfway through a response to the London office when I realized my son was still crying. I never went in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was fine. You know, he just like lost his pacifier or something, but it was that morning that was my literal and metaphorical wake up moment of mm. I've become the guy, you know, who's more attentive to the cries of his office than the cries of his son. And of course I don't want to be like that. Um, I never set out to be like that, but habit took me there. And as I started to study that moment, I was like, Oh my gosh, Something is happening every morning when I open my eyes to my emails. Um, and this might be social media. This might be Twitter or the news. This might, this might be emails or work. It might be the schedule. But what we're saying in a way is that today depends on X, you know, how I do at work or how I live up in social media or, or what is the news today? Who do I need to be mad about or what do I need to be afraid of? And, and obviously... All of these things are worth paying attention to in some way throughout the day. I don't recommend people stop checking their emails or maybe stop being present to their friends and family online or whatever. But there is a, there is a 
approach to the day that is spiritually shaped by the first thing that we look at. And it is a very different morning to look at scripture first, for example, which Mm -hmm. is one of the habits I recommend, just a daily habit of scripture before phone and say, what is the truest thing about today is the fact that God loves me. He lives and he is guiding the world towards renewal. Whatever my inbox has to say about the day, it's in the context of his love and his calling for me to go out and love today or whatever the schedule has or whatever social media says. So I'm, I'm really big on trying to say by flipping that one little habit, we actually make a major theological and emotional shift to our day. We approach the world, not looking for love, but knowing that we are loved and now looking to give love. And whether you're going to an office or going to parent, that's a small habit with an enormous impact. And it's a great metaphor of how I want to look at the rest of the day's habits, as in we're looking for actually small, tiny changes that have outsized gospel impact on how we face our children in the world. I think what you said is just so important. And I want to sit here for a minute on this idea of scripture before phone. Sure. Because the way that you describe that, though, is not just here's a rule and here's why you should do it. This is cultivation of the heart. This is the combination of the heart and the habit together. And, you know, a lot of times we'll quote that scripture that says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we stop there. But Mm -hmm. the rest of that verse says that in so doing, we would test the will of God. Good. So there's a yeah. doing aspect of that too, of the, of the renewing of our mind and our habits, I think are where that plays out. And interestingly enough, I think when we think about waking up in the morning, for example, I was also reading an article recently that said that cortisol, the stress hormone is the highest first thing in the morning when you wake up. Oh, is that and right? yes, and that I explains was, a lot about my life. Okay. Doesn't it? <laughs> so it would make sense though, that if we wake up already with that hormone, revved up. And for some of us, it might even be more so if we're, if we're living in a trauma zone, Mm -hmm. if we're living in that survival mode, your cortisol is off the charts almost all the time, but it will then be even more so in the morning. That may be why you wake up even more so with dread. It's not because there's anything specifically uniquely wrong with you, but it may be that you have specific unique needs because of this going on in your body, but that we're training ourselves in that mode then though, that when I feel that stress hormone, what do I feed my myself in that moment? What am I, what is my, what am I intaking? And if it's the word of God, then over time, and this is, this is my story, you know, just waking up a half hour before the rest of the family to sit quiet with the Lord, to just hear about who he says he is in his word and read about his faithfulness over and over and over that Mm -hmm. then when I feel stress, my body craves the word of God, my brain, my heart, Mm. like all together. That's that's now how I want to be fed so that when I'm moving through the stress of my day, I know where that quiet zone is. I know how to get back there. And then though, that's where, as you said, that's where a lot of these other habits can flow from then, but it is more so about giving ourselves the opportunity to be renewed and then have Mm -hmm. that play out through the things that we're doing. But it's not just mindless habits, which are impossible for us to upkeep because willpower just (laughs) is not the fuel for life. Yes. I really like the way that you're focusing in on how the body's involved here and that, you know, there's a reshaping of the body and the stress response and the heart and, and they're getting intertwined in this. And that's exactly the point. I think, I think I'd like to jump on that and, and emphasize to people that 
our hearts and our bodies and our habits and our heads are way, way more interconnected than we think, which is why we just can't ignore this. And I just want to point out that that this is one way to phrase grace in everyday life. Like, I think what I just heard you say, Michelle, is that you can change your response to the day, even out of trauma or even out of stress or even out of a bad routine. God can use simple habits like scripture before phone to reshape you. And I want to say that's exactly what happened to me when I, when I shared my story earlier, like I, I would say like, I don't want to take an outsized amount of time on talking about my, my own anxiety crash, but it was absolutely the, the valley of my life. Like it's, I've never had anything that bad. It was incredibly traumatic. I went from a happy parent of two kids, successful lawyer to having suicidal thoughts and needing to have a drink or pill before I went to bed. I mean, it was awful. And I spent a lot of mornings through over, over the course of a year or longer. The first thing I wake up thinking about, I didn't sleep last night, or I had to medicate to sleep last night, or am I going to be able to hack it today? Like just awful wake up moments and scripture before phone over the course of months and really years have completely has completely reshaped who I am. Mm. And, and so to all the listeners, I just want to remind, remind you. And that's, that's because of what the Lord has done, not because of my habit. Like the, think of habits as levers of grace. They're really small, but the Lord is holding the lever and, and he can use these small things in enormous ways. And essentially it means that grace means that you don't have to respond to today. Like you responded to yesterday. You don't have to have the same patterns today that you had yesterday. You don't have to react to your children in the same ways today that you reacted yesterday because grace is real and God really will change you. And he really does use small habits like this. Mm -hmm. And so th that's why this is a freeing message, not a burden. Cause it's like, yes. there really is a new life possible. Yes. Yes. And I love what you just said. Levers of grace, because it is something that we just repeatedly get to pull that and we get to fill it, like be filled with it. We yes. get to continue just experiencing that. And there's nothing wrong with us. I think sometimes we feel like, well, shouldn't I just be at a point where I don't have to pull this lever anymore? Should I just be at a point where I just <laughs> experience it all the time and I feel it? And this is the way though, in our daily lives that God keeps us so near that we mm, would just yes. continue to turn to him and seek him in these things. Now, what we're talking about though, scripture before phone, for example, is something maybe new that we might implement. Mm -hmm. But yeah. part of what you talk about in the book is the fact that there's things we're already doing that we can modify somewhat yes, to right. take advantage of these really average moments of our day. So whether it's mm -hmm. mealtimes or bedtimes or things like that, and we can really turn them into these intentional moments of spiritual formation. Can you give us some more examples as far as just taking where we're already at and starting to build out from there? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it kind of plays on the idea of scripture before phone though, because you, you're thinking something in the morning, like you're looking for something in the morning. And my suggestion there is swap out the phone for scripture, right? Like find mm -hmm. that thing you're already doing and do something a little bit different. Um, I I would look at, I don't know, what's your favorite? We could talk about mealtimes. I think mealtimes is a great place to start like, because I think a lot of us, if we can get to the point where we are able to have consistent mealtimes with all of our kids or a majority of our kids. Yeah. Sometimes it can just be those so chaotic. <laughs> oh my gosh. That it's yeah. like, Let's talk oh about my gosh, then. can yeah. I just get them all to sit down? <laughs> <laughs> all right. So you, everyone has to eat, right? So if you, everyone listening to this eats as a habit, period, no exceptions. 
So what are we doing when we're eating, right? Like how we eat and who we eat with and when we do it and how we do it says so much about our spiritual life. And if you're a parent listening to this, which I assume is basically the whole audience, (laughs) then, you know, we eat with our kids or we we at least feed our kids. And one of the things that that I want to encourage parents towards is looking at that thing that we have to do in order to survive and thinking it is also something we can do in order to thrive. As in food is not just fuel. It is that, but way more than just something we need in order to keep going from day to day. Food is, it really should and can be the center of gravity of community of the household. And so I often say that the difference between people who live together and people who are family or the difference between roommates and friends, for example, is just the question of, do you eat together? And it really might even be semi-regularly. So keep in mind, um, almost nobody and not our family, seven nights a week has a family dinner. Like there might, there's a soccer practice in there, or there's a school assembly in there, or there's a work late, things went weird in there. But in our family, the habit is, and this is footnote this away. This is the great thing about habits. They're not rules. They're flexible. You can bounce back to them. You can have off days, but the habit is we eat together. And is that chaotic? As you said, Michelle, absolutely. Like it is absolutely chaotic in our house. We have a two-year-old to a 10-year-old. We have four boys. And I often tell people, and this is not an exaggeration, that sometimes our family dinner looks more like a WWE wrestling match mm-hmm. than it does like a nice family conversation. So we've had, you know, we've had people fight at the table. We've had people stand on the table. We've had people like, you know, run. And it's just, it's, it's incredibly chaotic. But this is part of the point. It's learning to love each other. It's learning to say that, okay, we don't have to grab for food. We can ask. We don't have to talk about what we don't like. We can talk about what we do like. Um, we don't. We can say thank you. We can pray together. We can start to ask about our day. All these little things that happen at a family dinner are actually phenomenal life skills that are being cultivated across time of how does one get to know another person? Well, you sit down and you eat and you ask questions. Or how, how does one serve another person? Well, you cook for them and then you help clean up together. Like how, how does one run a household? Well, this is what it looks like. Help carry the groceries in, help cook, help prep, help clean. And do my kids like this? No, only sometimes, you know, like it's amazing. Every night they have to clean the table and every night they're like, do we have to clean the table again? <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. um, but there are so many beautiful parts of eating together that is really teaching how to love. And, and I think maybe that's where we'll end the point. You are teaching an incredible skill of loving neighbor at the table, how to love the people that you live with. This is the, this is the, one of the primary things we want to teach our children. And the table is just like, it's right there. So you can start to look at all these places in the household, like things you're already doing and realizing, oh my gosh, this is the fertile ground of spiritual formation. Lean into family meals. Um, there's not much more important you could do. I think this is really just the way that you explained all of that just helps to dig out the relevance of things that we think of as so mundane. You know, we may think of, okay, well, mealtime is spiritual formation. If it includes like an awesome devotional by mom, you know, that great conversation. That's just so oriented towards, you know, the love of Christ and nobody got up from the table and there was no fighting and all that kind of stuff. And, but what you described as these everyday little rhythms of, 
serving each other and asking and please and thank you and conversation and all that kind of stuff. And I think sometimes we get caught up in thinking like, oh, this particular mealtime has to feel like it was formative rather than seeing the rhythm over Mm. life over the entirety of life to see how are our children learning different skills that will be useful in all manner of relationships. But then also these things are how they learn to connect to the heart of God, that they're able to just recognize God's presence. When we sit down to pray, that's what we're doing is inviting God into the moment, thanking him for what we have, recognizing that this didn't automatically appear here. This came from the goodness of God, right? Right. You know, sometimes, and and within our society, how accessible food is, sometimes it's easy for us to just be like, oh no, I went to the grocery store and got it. And it was, and it's like, but being that aware of God ordaining for that food to be here, providing for that food to be here, ordaining for all of us to be together, for us to be sensitive to his presence. Like those are, are really different when we think about the way that the rest of the world considers mealtime. And I think though, like, like I said, I I feel like sometimes we think, well, it's really not spiritual unless we've done some particular like teaching or something that happened in the timeframe, but it's like, no, there is still teaching, but it's the real life hands in the soil kind of experience. Yes. I I think that's a a great message to overlay all the habits that we'll talk about. And that's the idea. I'm actually most interested in getting people to realize what's happening spiritually when we don't think anything's happening spiritually, Mm. because I think that's where all the important stuff is happening. Um, I'm all about family devotions. Like there's a chapter in that. And, you know, I think we absolutely essentially should be teaching our kids to pray, teaching them the word, but so much of what it means to love God and love neighbor, which are the two greatest commandments. So much of that is in the intangibles that are far more caught than taught. Of just like, what does one act like at the table when one is tired and doesn't actually want to be there? Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, as you get to be an adult, you realize that's most of life. Trying to be nice yeah. to people in places that you don't want to be with people you only sort of like, welcome to the world of sanctification. Like, this mm-hmm. is exactly what we're trying to learn, how to love somebody, even though they're not loving you back well. This is what what Jesus did for us, right? This is the gospel o- over and over in small moments. And I yeah, I think it's so great how you emphasize a spiritual rhythm of meal times, or even a spiritual rhythm of conversations in your house, does not mean a spiritual rhythm of family devotions every night. Um, it, it could, and that's great. We we do one a week family devotions, but having having a place of conversation where you're drawing each other out, where you're learning to love, even though you don't necessarily want to be there that night, where it's chaotic and you got to be patient anyway. That's spiritual formation. Mm. That's the work. That's the Holy Spirit is there working on you. And I, I just encourage everybody to open their eyes to the spiritual work that's being done mm-hmm. when you don't think any spiritual work is being done, because it's probably the most important work that that's is being done. So great. And I think it's also great too, that you quantified like, yes, devotionals are important, but we may only do one a week because I think sometimes we think, well, if I can't do it every single night, then it's not worth starting, you know, or oh, gosh, I'll yeah. start and get into a rhythm. And because I miss like five days, then I guess we're just not going to do it anymore. You know, like, <laughs> you know, that kind <laughs> I, of thing. I mean, this is so true, I, but I, parents of all people should know that the perfect should not be the enemy of the good. Mm. And yet how often are we like, do we let perfect be the enemy of the good? My, yeah. my big message to people on family devotions is do something rather than nothing. Mm-hmm. If you think it's going to be neat and organized and everybody's going to be quiet and give the right answers, 
you don't know the first thing about children. Yes, like, right. <laughs> it is going to be messy and there's going to be weird answers and wrong answers. And like, that is precisely the point of the of grace. Like mm-hmm. God loves messy things and messy children who don't understand yet, but are willing to, you know, give the wrong answer. I, that Read the New Testament and look at how Jesus reacts to the people who think they know the right answer. And then look at how he reacts to the people who are just hungry to talk to him. Um, And those are the ones he's like, that you're like the children. And I I think about this all the time when Jesus was like, let the little children come to me. I mean, why did the disciples want to get them out of there? Probably because they were a mess, like all children are. Probably Mm. because they were like, they're interrupting the teaching. We should be doing important stuff. And Jesus is like, this is the important stuff. Let Mm. them come. And if you come to our family devotions, like last night, um, was ours. I mean, sometimes it's a quick conversation about a verse. Sometimes we read a story. Um, sometimes we use a devotional. It, it's really different. And like one of the kids left the table last night because he was too little and that was fine. The two-year-old just sort of wandered around, but it is messy, but it's something. Mm-hmm. And moving to something messy is way better than having nothing because you can't, if you can't be perfect, then you end up doing nothing. No, do something messy because it's at least something. There are three words every abuse survivor must hear. God hates abuse. Plus One Parents has released a devotional for abuse survivors called Safe Haven, a devotional for the abused and abandoned. Safe Haven is a biblically-based guide to abuse, giving you the tools that you need to identify it, respond to it, and heal from it. Safe Haven is now available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook formats, and you can locate a link to purchase your copy down in the show notes. I think this goes back to also though what we were talking about before as far as our own habits, because even if it is somewhat chaotic and difficult and irregular, I'll say, to do a family devotional, if we are more regular in our own time with the Lord and our kids are also able to mm-hmm. observe that, if they see yeah. that it's something that's important to us and that we are at least making some effort to bring them into a similar experience, then as they get older, even just watching that rhythm is something that they're yes. able to pick up on and go, oh, well, you know, my mom, you know, a couple of times I'd wake up early and I'd see that she was down there yeah. reading the Bible yeah. or, you know, those yeah. kinds of things. And it's, those are also formative as well. And that's, right. that's the thing that we often have more control over because especially, you know, being a single mom, it's like, okay, well, this night I don't have my kids. And then this night I do, but then they have this rehearsal and this thing mm-hmm. and whatever. And it mm-hmm. can feel like those devotional times are just so few and far between. And yeah. I do think it's important to prioritize where we can. And meal times are often a place where I'm able to get those in. But I think that my own habit is what allows me though, to also look at all the other times in my day, whether it's car time, whether it's even discipline time, you know, Mm -hmm. where I'm able to take what I've been fed with and allow that to come out in those moments that didn't seem like that was going to be a time for teaching or devotion or whatever, but there it was like, here was the opportunity, move right into it. Yes. I think there's a real encouragement there in the what you, what you said about, you know, I, I don't even have my kids all the time. And, you know, so is it really a habit if I'm just doing it once? And I think it's like, yes, like I, I didn't visit my mom's side grandparents that much as kids. It was a couple times a year, but precisely because of that, I remember specifically what it felt like to go there. Right. Mm-hmm. Because that, you know, they did this or they did that. And just when you can, when you do something intentional, 
you have, I think we tend to have no idea how much our kids are actually are watching and they might not be able to express mm-hmm. it, but they, they feel it. And so we get the opportunity as parents, whether we have our kids three days a week or seven days a week to define what does it feel like when you're in my house? What does it feel like to eat dinner with me? What is yes. it? And so one, you have way more power than you think, but also just, again, think about the intangibles. If what a family devotion feels like with you is all this like shouting to be quiet and listen because you need to like respect this time, they're going to remember family devotions as like, oh, that's sort of that uncomfortable forced thing. But if it's like part of the rolling conversation where Mm -hmm. you're like, you know, I try to be especially gentle during family devotions so that they feel like this is kind of fun or another place we can talk. I mean, we involve snacks. We involve like silly questions sometimes. And I think that's just, it's just important to remember you, you want them to feel like this is something that you like and that they can like too. Cause that's, again, I think part of the sweetness of Jesus saying, let the little children come to me. I don't think the children would have been coming if he was shushing them all the time, Mm -hmm. you know? So Mm -hmm. it's just a lot, it's that feel stuff. Um, you know, how, how someone feels around you is a big part of spiritual formation. I think that is so important. What you just said too, as far as what does it feel like to be in my house? Because for many of the listeners, the kids are going to multiple houses. They're back and Mm -hmm. forth between mom and dad. And in some cases that's really unhealthy as far as the environment they're going into when they're not with us, it can be extremely dysfunctional. It can be antagonistic. And so we may worry so much about what they're being exposed to over there Mm. when there is still great power in what they associate with our life and our house in the times that they are with us. And I think it's great though, what you said, sometimes you got to capitalize on things like the snacks. (laughs) You've got to grab onto the the things that make it, (laughs) you know, where it's like, this is a little fun. You know, if you've got younger ones, you can get them to act out the story or, you know, those kinds of things where if they can't sit, then we're just going to do this on the move, you know, kind of thing. Um, But there is so much in our faithfulness that God works with. And this is something I am still hearing from other single moms who have gone before me. And they have told me this, that you keep doing the good work. You keep doing the right Mm -hmm. things, you Mm -hmm. know? And so this is something that I'm still continuing to just say, Lord, I'm believing for this. But I think that's a, but that's a pattern that is established through people that we know, people in the Bible, all of these different experiences that come together, how God uses those seeds that we're planting in ways that we may not fully understand. And it can be so helpful when our kids have gone through trauma or they're continuing to go through trauma because they're back and forth and there's, you know, all kinds of things that are very messy, but that our habits bring regularity and safety and structure to them. And in some sense that can seem really oppressive. And in other senses though, and in other seasons of their life, they may feel like, wow, that's my safe place to land. Mom was always really consistent. And if there's Mm -hmm. one thing I know about trauma recovery, consistency is that piece that really can help to reestablish, especially when there's been a rupture of the relationship between the parent and the child. Yes. Yes. And ultimately, you know, that happens just for a variety of different reasons, but it is the ability for us to move forward Mm -hmm. in our own lives. And it's how we model it for our own kids and they may be resistant. They may not want to join us in some of these things and modeling may be for a time, all we've got. Yes. But it's the thing that we at least do have the control over that. We do have something we can be faithful in and ask the Lord to move as he would. Yes. 
I mean, it, it sounds to me like a single parent learns more quickly than the rest of us that the world is not something you can control. Mm-hmm. And I do think that all parents have to reckon with that, that yeah. at, at some point you cannot control all of your kids' experiences. And this yes. is the lesson you learn as you grow up um, that, oh, you know, there's a big, dangerous, scary, evil world out there. Um, but we're not called to control all that. Fortunately, mm-hmm. God is. What we are called to do is to be faithful in the areas that we've been given to act. And I think that movement from fear to in control to faithfulness and presence in what we do have mm-hmm. is enough. You know, yes. it, it's, I think it's a, it should be a gracious message to all of us. And I, I think single parents in a way have to, they're, they're, they're called to learn this earlier. <laughs> we get it's a little true. bit more padding, but I think yeah. early on, I mean, you know, a single parent will have to be like, oh, okay, I got to face this now because I can't control this all, but I can be faithful where Absolutely. I am. Absolutely. Yeah. And that there's a hundred, there's grief in that completely to say, and because a lot of times it looks like, I didn't want my kids to have to be exposed to this. I didn't right, want my kids right, to have this right. as their story. I wanted my kids to be, you know, way further down the road before they had to deal with real life. Mm, but yes. the blessing of the goodness of God in that is learning to let go of the world and trust him yes. so much sooner than a yes. lot of other people do, or maybe yes. than we would have if we weren't in this situation. And right. he really does fill the walls of the home mm-hmm. in such a way, just... If we, where he's filling in that lack and that void that we might otherwise feel. Yeah, and yeah. we really are able to have just such this beautiful experience. And as our kids are watching us go through these hard things, but we're clinging to the Lord, then we're able to right. teach that by example yes. in a way that yes. I know for me personally, I learned way later and, you know, would have liked to have had some more of those skills earlier. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's a cost to that. And that is, you know, something that we continue to see throughout the way that we relate to our kids. And this kind of moves me to the next thing I wanted to talk about was discipline, because sure. disciplining on our own is one of those things that you don't have another parent who's backing you up. Sometimes you may have another parent mm-hmm. who's actually undermining you. And so there's a very real sense of like, okay, what is, what's the best way and how do I discipline my children in a way that is forming them at the same time, because right now this is just feeling like a whole lot of overwhelm, a whole lot of frustration. But you said something in your book um, that I want to read the quote, but it says moments of discipline are as much about us as they are about our kids. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I wanted to know if you would just dive into the discipline aspect of this and how we can look at the habits of discipline as something that can also be really formative. Yeah. So just start from that idea. And this is something I still wrestle with and am challenged by every day. And it's the idea that moments of discipline with our children are as much, if not more, about what God is doing in our life at that moment as it is about what we're doing in the life of our child at that moment. Because, I mean, just think about the similarity. We, you know, we're intervening to our, in our child's life, because, you know, something has gone wrong. Somebody stole the switch controller or there's a fight breaking out or like, I want that doll. And, you know, they're frustrated because their life has been inconvenienced by something and they're lashing out because of it. Usually a a parent disciplining is doing the exact same thing. They are frustrated Mm -hmm. because their life has been interrupted by that moment of misbehavior. And now they're lashing out at the child likewise. And so there's a lot of just like 
the ways that we need to look up to God as a child ourselves and say, oh, you're working on me in this moment. You're teaching me to be patient. You're mm-hmm. teaching me to share my time. You're teaching me to share my energy. I didn't want to be up late at night talking about this. Mm-hmm. Um, so to be attentive to the way that, that God is disciplining us in those moments is to be attentive to the way that he is forming us, shaping us, and let's use the word discipling us in those moments. And that's mm-hmm. the, if we get that, or even if we just start to think about that, that's then the shift that flows down into our parenting, that we start to look at those moments less about managing our child's behavior or shouting them back into order or shaming them out of their misbehavior and realize that's not how God treats us in that moment. That is not what he's doing. He is trying to disciple our hearts to be a more loving person, to be a more patient person, uh, to be a more gentle person. And we should look at that moment in the same way. How can we disciple the heart of our child in that moment? Which Michelle, everybody listening to this knows, probably the hardest thing that we do as parents. Like this is so much easier to say than do. So much easier, which is why it's the perfect conversation for habit. Because a lot of our problematic reactions in parenting and discipline comes from habit. It's either the ones that we've kicked up ourselves because you know, that's just, we just yell now, or it's the one we've seen from our our parents or Mm -hmm. seen in our other, you know, brokenness of families. And so we've got to do a lot of work of saying, how do we retrain those habits so that we don't feel that icky feeling after every moment of discipline? Like, I shouldn't have acted like that. Um, And two of the things that have been huge for me, and again, they're going to sound like, oh, this is just a tiny habit. Can it matter? But no, remember scripture before phone, like small things can change the day. Mm -hmm. Um, Pause prayers before I discipline. And that's the idea of before, you know, I'm often running up the stairs. Like, so I'm not talking about getting on your knees and praying for five minutes, but I'm talking about a quick, help, have mercy, mm-hmm. give me patience, just something to remind you that you are also the child. You're more like them than not. You need the Lord's gentle and truthful intervention too in this moment. So just a pause prayer to reframe that you are also the child. And now you need to go help a child that, that tends to help me be more um, patient and less ill, you know, quick tempered. Um, if, if you're on the opposite end of the spectrum and you are prone to not being firm enough, and this could also be an equal issue, right? You're prone to not intervene or not say what you need to say. Then you could also use a pause prayer to remind you that, Hey, help me to be more like Jesus who will not leave me in my sin, you know, who will, who will always intervenes, who is always brave and courageous, you know? So either way, I think those pause prayers help us act more like him in those moments. And then another one that's been really sweet and big for our family is, um, a moment of reconciliation following discipline. And we call this the brother's hug. If it's because of a fight between the brothers or just, it could be anything. But the way I think about it is if our sons are fighting and they go through the rigmarole of like, you have to say, sorry, and look in their eye and say it like you mean it. And then you have to say, forgive you. And, you know, the right things have been said, but the, um, the moment's not over because we're not necessarily reconciled, right? Mm-hmm. And so the, our little thing is they have to hug each other um, until one of them smiles or, or until both of them smiles or laughs. And this works really nicely with little kids. Um, you need to adjust as age goes to maybe some, you know, something a little bit different. But for me, I'm thinking about if I can't hug, laugh, or tickle my five-year-old or three-year-old after a moment of discipline and actually get them to laugh then either I'm still too mad and something's not right, or they've mm-hmm. been hurt too much and I came down too hard on them. And mm-hmm. it's just a way to sort of shepherd us into reconciliation rather than leave us in the coldness of conflict. Because anybody knows this, if you think about the household, the question of the household is not, are we going to have conflict? Are we going to hurt each other? 
Yeah. Now, of course we are. The question of the household is, are we going to reconcile after we hurt each other, after we have conflict? And having some of those little habits, embodied habits of this is how we come together have been really, really meaningful ways to help us who have four rambunctious boys and a dad and a mom who are both prone to shouting and screaming them back into order. It's helped move us to a house that reconciles instead of just fights. And that is a true testimony of grace in our lives because otherwise we're just hurting each other. But through the grace of these kind of habits, we're actually practicing the reconciliation of Jesus in small everyday moments. And let me assure you, discipline is every day for us. (laughs) These are everyday habits. Yes. (laughs) These are not once a week. (laughs) Yes. And I think though, this idea though, of making sure that we are moving towards this reconciliation moment helps us to keep in balance. And as you Mm -hmm. so poignantly mentioned, you know, a lot of our disciplining habits are out of whack because of what was passed down to us Yes, that we may have had parents who were outwardly abusive or neglectful, but we also may have had parents just that were a little bit off one way or the other, either too much license or too much legalism. And everybody and did, you know, everybody exactly. had a parent who was a little too much something. Exactly. Exactly. And we may know we want to do something differently, but we're not sure how to get there. And we may have these moments of feeling like, well, I gave them a really good talking to But then yeah. at the end of it, it's like, but if nobody really feels restored, if nobody really feels like there's a holy moment that just happened here, right? then we're missing that heart piece. And it's not to say that everybody's going to be happy all the time, but it is to say, we're not going to fake moving back into regular life though. This is the thing that ushers us back into the regular rhythm is the fact that, okay, we've had this moment together and now we want to move back as one that we wanted there to be a reunification as best there could be that there's no fakeness in going back to our life, which Sometimes we can be prone to, you know, especially if we do think that like, okay, say you're sorry, say you're sorry. And it's just like, well, then somebody has got to warm it back up. Otherwise everybody just goes to their corners, you know, right, and avoids right. each other until they have to interact again. Yeah, yeah. And it's imperfect. You know, there's some, some rhythm of this that may always just kind of be That's there. Right. There That's is right. going to be something, but as we pointed to before, your habit can bring your heart into it. That's that right. even if you may not even start wanting to do it, that when you end, you may be a little more warmed up to it than you were before. That's yeah, it's absolutely true. And it it's going to be imperfect. It's not going to be impressive, but it should be intentional. That's just mm. a lot. Of, a lot of these can be boiled down to that. We're not looking for something impressive, just intentional. We're just trying to move like Jesus does towards us um, and, and move into those moments instead of away from them. I want to highlight what you just said. It's going to be imperfect. It's not going to be impressive but it should be intentional. There That's a go. word. That's great. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> Justin, I am so appreciative for all of your insights in this conversation. At the end of every conversation, I ask each guest the same question. And it is, if there was just one thing that you would want a single mom to know, what would it be? That I admire you. I admire the load that you carry, um, the, the braveness that it takes to do that. Um, and that I see I see you. That's not easy, but it is amazing. Um, And what you do matters. So you have my admiration. Thank you so much. Thank you. Justin, would you tell listeners about your resources and how they can follow you? 
Google is your great friend here. You can spell my name wrong and get the typos and the titles. But if you Google Justin Early, Habits of the Household or The Common Rule, you'll get to... I've got web pages for each of those books. And I um, just don't tell my publisher. I'd encourage anybody to go to those pages. I, I share a lot of the kind of like simplification of these habits right on the website. And then you can decide if you want to dive into the audio book or the book from there. Um, and then you can also find me at justinwhitmoreearly.com or on Instagram is where I'm most present on social media, just trying to share little moments of what I'm learning from parenting at the time. And so reach out and say, hi, I will uh, maybe take some time, but I always try to respond to every message. So, so please, <laughs> anybody's welcome to contact me. And I actually really do recommend the book. I think it's a great reference tool to continue to use. So I will include links though in the show notes so that listeners can access that. But just again, thank you, Justin, for sitting down with me. You're so welcome. What a good conversation. I really appreciate it, Michelle. If you enjoyed this conversation, I've got a couple others you might like to listen to. Check out episode 102, Helping Kids Cope with the Grief and Loss of Divorce with Lauren Reitzema. Also, check out episode 95, Raising Kids Who Bounce Back with Dr. Rhonda Spencer-Huang. We'd love to invite you to get involved with the Plus One Parents community. You can join us on Facebook or Instagram at plusone.parents. And on Facebook, you can join our private Facebook group, Beloved Collective. Also, at plusoneparents.org, we are constantly adding new resources related to all of the topics that we cover here on the Christian Single Moms podcast. That's everything from parenting to dating to spiritual and emotional well-being. If you'd like to stay up to date on the new resources as we release them, you can join our mailing list there as well at plusoneparents.org. I'm so grateful that you're a part of this community and that you were able to join me for this episode today. I pray always that you would know that you are seen and you are beloved.